Awesome. How good. I've watched that three times today and it still gets me. Where's Lucy? That quote really is beautiful, isn't it? I love it. Well, hey, how good. I've never spoken here and had people in the, what do we call it? The mezzanine? The top? Ella, you're you're very cultured. I love it. Um, Let me just weasel this thing over a little bit. Um, Yeah, it's an honor to be here with you guys again tonight. Um, Honor to meet Pastor Alex and Kath. It's great to be here. Um, You guys just look radiant, even in your face masks. I hope you don't have coffee breath under there. And if the person beside you usually has coffee breath, then you can thank COVID for keeping that restraint to them. Um, So that is one good thing about face masks. Am I right? Good. All right. Well, hey, why don't I um, start in prayer just one more time, and then we're going to open up the Word of God um, for a few moments together tonight. Father, thank you for this beautiful congregation, this beautiful community that sits in front of me with hearts hungry and humble to receive your word. I just pray that your promise would be fulfilled in them, that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so I pray that today for my brothers and sisters, that as they come uh, to the well of living water tonight, in your presence, through your word, may they find that which sustains their soul, the deepest longings that they have. May they find more of you, Christ. And so we thank you for this time together as we open up your word, God. Would you speak um, through the power of your Holy Spirit and sow your truth into the lives and the hearts of your people who are gathered. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, I get the privilege of continuing the series on uh, rework. And so I was down at Gatta this morning um, with the guys there, which was a whole lot of fun. And then I went for a quick dip in the ocean and there was a protest there happening, uh, which I got stuck in the middle of, hence I was a little late today. But as I was waiting there, uh, this man on a white horse came riding. So what was my first thought? Jesus. I was like, a man on a white horse? No, it was actually the man from Snowy River. But nonetheless, as I came here today, there was another protest, which I was thinking in worship, isn't that amazing how God has strategically placed the congregation of new life right in these city centers, right in these places uh, where people have a lot of questions and have a lot of passion. And we as the people of God have the answers of God to give to them. And so I'm excited tonight to unpack for us what it means to be sent. What it means to be the people of God who are sent into our workplaces, into our homes, into our rock climbing gyms, into cafes with the message um, and the very presence of God on the inside of us. So that's what we're chatting through tonight. But in order to do that, I want to just share a brief um, story. So in this, at the start of 2020, um, obviously crazy year, I was made redundant. So I wish I could blame it on COVID, but I can't. It was for another reason. But I found myself in a place for the first time in my whole adult life where I wasn't on staff with a church. And you guys, you know, if you've been here and you've heard me speak, you know my story. You know, like I spent time in the States. I was a youth pastor on the Gold Coast. And I've just literally only ever been on staff with a church until the start of 2020. And so I found myself very terrified. So if you guys who have been living and working in the the secular world or the marketplace as we call it, um, I tip my hat to you because I was terrified. As a 28, 29 year old, I was like, God, what am I going to do? They're going to hate me. For 10 years, I'd been on staff with people who believed exactly what I believed, who wouldn't argue with my thoughts on Jesus or who wouldn't argue with me offering prayer and things like that. And so at the start of this moment with God, I was like, God, I'm scared. And can we just acknowledge the fact that it is quite scary to be Christians uh, working and living in the marketplace with people who don't believe what we believe? 
And yet the message that we have, that the presence of God that we carry is so vital and so important. And so thankfully, God fills us with the power of the Spirit to do exactly what He invites us to do. And so at the start of 2020, I was in this moment where that bubble had burst, that Christian bubble had just popped big time. And I started to do a couple of different things. And one of those things was I took a job at my friend's rock climbing gym on the Gold Coast. Do we have any rock climbers here? Yes, two of us. Jess, awesome. Anyone else? Just the three of us? All right, no, and Ella. No one else is going to relate, but you guys can relate. So rock climbers are awesome. It's, um, it's an interesting sport, let's call it a sport, but what we believe um, in the church is very different to what rock climbers believe. And so I found myself working in this rock climbing gym with people who did not believe what I believed about Jesus, who did not go to church on Sundays. Now, one thing we had in common was we saw the beauty in the world and we loved nature, but that was about it. And so in this job, I have had several opportunities to present people with the message of Christ and to be a representative for God. And so what I want to do in the next few moments together is just unpack three helpful things, which I think are helpful, which God has taught me through his word as well. And you'll have to bear with me. I am Pentecostal. Okay, so Pentes really like alliteration or rhyming. So you guys will not forget the points. That's at least the hope of Pentes, right? We hope that you don't forget the points. So the first point of being sent into the world is this, that we are sent to represent Christ. Pretty plain, pretty simple, but we are sent to represent Christ. Now, I know I mentioned that I spent some time in the States. Anyone been to the South, the deep South, South Carolina? Oh, yes, whereabouts? So, so good. All right, all right. What's your name? We're going to chat afterwards. All right, we can be besties. So I spent four years in South Carolina in a little town called Anderson. So population 45,000. So just think like back town, like small country town, right? So I rocked up, this chick from the Gold Coast, and I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? And they're like, this was their response every time to my accent. You ain't from around here. Like, that was it every single time. Even if it was, like, my outfit or the salad I was eating, because they don't eat salad. You would know that. They don't eat salad. Uh, Every time. Well, you ain't from around here. Eventually, I had to learn to put on the southern drawl when I was in the drive-thru. Because if you've had Chick-fil-A, you know it's from God. It's like what is going to be served in heaven. And so I'd be in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A, and I'd have to talk like them. Otherwise, you'd be sitting there, no joke, for 10 minutes trying to explain to this poor 16-year-old what you want, and she has no idea what you're talking about. And so I would have to say, can I please have a six-pack chicken nugget meal with Chick-fil-A sauce and lemonade? And they'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Like, they totally got it. But I'm trying to get at the fact that I wasn't from around there, and it was very clear to them. Now, the Bible would also say the same thing about Christians. The, uh, The testimony of Peter in, let's go there. If you have your Bibles, you can follow with me. It's um, 1 Peter 2. Verse 11, Peter says this, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Now, staying away from fleshly desires, I will leave that up to you, Pastor Alex. But what I want to draw our attention to is where Peter calls us temporary residents and foreigners. Your translation might say strangers and sojourners or foreigners and pilgrims. 
But the point Peter is making is that Christians, you ain't from around here. The Apostle Paul says it like this in the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. He says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. So the testimony of Scripture is that as Christians, born of an incorruptible seed, born of God, born as children of God, the point is this, you have citizenship from another place other than New Zealand or Australia or anywhere else. Your citizenship is from God. You are not just a mere earthling. You are also full of heaven and God's very presence. You ain't from around here. Charles Spurgeon, who I have to include because I love Mike Hand so much, and he loves Charles, so he says this, Ah, no, this is not our home. Our native land, our true country, is in the heavenly highlands where Jesus dwells. And we long for the time when he shall say to us, Come up here. Then, but not until then, shall we be at home with the Lord. So the first point today, we are sent to represent Christ. And Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 20. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, which if if you're a Christian, this is you. If anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now catch this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The Bible is very clear that as Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. We are a new creation and therefore our responsibility now is to represent Christ. We are sent as ambassadors of God into our workplaces, into our homes, into our climbing gyms, into the cafes we visit. We are sent as representatives so what does this mean? What does this look like? What are the, what's the practical application of this? Well, I believe that this means that we represent Christ in word and in deed. With what we say and what we show. That is what it means to represent Christ. So this means in your workplace that your speech is different. Just like my speech was different in South Carolina, our speech as Christians in the break room should be different than the other people who aren't Christians. This means that our attitude is different. That when people leave the toilet roll without any toilet paper on it, we shouldn't do that, right? Those menial tasks that everybody hates to do, even if it's taking the rubbish out or refilling the milk, whatever it is, our attitude as representatives of Christ should be to serve. Because that's what Christ did. He came as king and served us and died on a cross that we should live and have our sins forgiven. And so we should take upon ourselves that attitude of Christ. It means that in our workplaces, we deal with conflict differently, right? We don't just storm off in a huff and type an email later. We deal with conflict differently. Why? Because we're not from around here. We represent Christ and all that he is. This means that we do our finances differently. This means that what we say about our bosses when they're not in the room is different, 
New Life. Do you get what I'm saying? We are representatives, which means we are different in every single way, in word and in deed. So the first thing for us tonight is this, that we are representatives of Christ. How good is this? The McCrindle Report from 2017 states that the greatest attraction to investigating spirituality and religion is observing people who live out a genuine faith. Now, I didn't just make that up to try and convince you that what I'm saying is true. That is true from a report that 61% of people are attracted to your spirituality if you seem to have a genuine faith. People are curious. Let's not keep our, our Christianity hidden and privatized and individualized. Man, Jesus came and lived publicly. He died a public death. He raised to life publicly. So why do we think our Christianity's got to be hidden? And he did it before the watching eyes of the whole world. And he invites us to live out our Christianity in the same manner. Amen? Amen. The second point tonight is this. What does it mean to be sent? It means that we represent Christ, but it also means that we respond to questions. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, if we are living in our workplaces according to the way of Christ and we are representing him, that's going to spark quite a few questions. If you haven't yet been asked questions, get ready. Because if people see the way you live, they're going to be intrigued as to why the heck you live that way. And what Peter tells us here is we need to be prepared to give an answer. None of this shrinking back or shirking back under, oh, it was just really good coffee this morning. No, it's Christ. It's not coffee, it's Christ. It's not that you got eight hours of sleep, it's Jesus. So let's just begin to engage with those conversations. Let's begin to respond to the questions that people have. And trust me, I get that this is so daunting. You're like, answer people's questions, but I don't know enough. So I want to encourage you, we don't need to respond to people's questions based out of what we don't know. If you don't know why God allows suffering in the world, don't have a stab in the dark because you might make it worse, okay? So don't answer questions based on what you don't know. Answer questions based on what you do know. Hey, no idea why God would allow that to happen. I'm terribly, terribly grieved by it. But what I do know is that God loves you. What I do know is God does have a good plan for your life. What I do know is that God did create a wonderful, beautiful world. And this thing called sin kind of stuffed it up. That's all I know. So let's not try and answer a question based on what we don't know. But what you do know about God, you can speak about that. Um, at the very least, our testimony is powerful. So if you don't have the answers in your life, I want to encourage you, you have a testimony. If you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 9. There's this beautiful story in John chapter 9 about a blind man um, that Jesus passes by and Jesus spits in some mud. You guys know the story. He spits in the mud and he wipes it on the guy's eye and the guy can see. Right, so this blind guy can now see, and there's this big spectacle made because it's, he did it on a Sunday, which was Sabbath. So the Pharisees come up to the blind guy, and they're like, well, who did this to you? 
And, and why did he do it? And how did he do it? And why did he do it on the Sabbath? And the guy's like, dude, like, this was five minutes ago. I don't have the answers for you. And so they go to his parents and they ask the parents the same question. And they're like, we got nothing. And they come back to the guy. And I want to read to you from John chapter 9, verse 24. It says this. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner, talking about Jesus. And the blind guy answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. He's like, hey, I hear your questions. I'm sorry I don't have the answers for you, but what I do know is that I once was one way and now I'm not. What I do know is that I once was blind, but now I can see. Hey, I hear your question. I I understand. I thank you for asking that question. I don't have the answers for you right now, but what I do know is I once was depressed and broken. I met this guy, Jesus, and now I'm not. What I do know is I once was terribly addicted and my life was in ruins. I met Jesus and now it's not. What I do know is that my family was broken through my own sin. I met Jesus. I went to new life and now it's not. That's that's all I've got for you. So new life, at the very least, if you don't have answers to these tough questions people are asking, let's just rely on our testimony. But also I do want to say, maybe this comes out of the fact that I work in education. Let's also not abdicate our responsibility of diving into scripture and diving into resources and really wrestling over life's toughest questions. Amen? Amen. Awesome. I remember, I'll tell you a quick story before we move on. I was... um, so in working in this climbing gym, I've had so many questions just thrown at me. And, you know, people are genuinely curious. They genuinely are curious about who Christ is, that they're like intrigued as to why the heck you would go to church on a Sunday. They're intrigued as to why you would give some of your finances to the They're intrigued. And so I encourage you, at the very least, let's share our testimony. Let's share the gospel. Let's tell them about this man named Christ who was sent to the earth by the Father God and in doing so died on a cross and took our sin and shame upon him and then rose again so that we too could have eternal life. Let's share that message. But at times have got harder questions for us, right? And so I want to share a brief story. I was out climbing one day with a couple of friends from the gym and then we were down at the Wallaby Hotel, which I would highly recommend recommend getting a chicken palmy and it was awesome who here loves chicken palmies you're like every day all day so we're sitting there having a chicken palmy with a few other people and this guy in front of me who I'd never met he was a a high school teacher you know mid-50s who so he's been in it a long time and he started to talk about the situation in a school where they're debating male and female toilets and uh, he has a transgender student so he's sharing his heart about this this young student anyways that conversation kind of you know, comes to a close, and then he asks me what I do. And I'm like, here I go, this is going to open a can of worms. And I'm like, well, I'm a Christian lecturer. And he's like, wow, interesting. So what do you make of the whole transgender issue? And I want to be like, I'm trying to enjoy my palmy. Like, can we not, can we not just sit here in silence and let me eat my chicken? But instead, I felt this invitation from God to step in and engage to respond to his questions. And thankfully, when we step in, we have the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit who enables us to have those conversations. And so I just shared from my heart, I shared from scriptures, and I hopefully did it in a way that was quite open-minded and engaging to what he was sharing. 
And then I went away and I got something else and I came back to the table. And as I came back, was walking back to the table, he had his back turned to me and I heard him say to the table, he said, wow, that was interesting. She, was, she wasn't as narrow-minded as I would have expected a Christian to be. And then I sat at the table, I was like, hey, like I'm back. But that moment there really resonated with me because the world's perception of us is not true. We're not narrow-minded people, are we, New Life? We, we want to engage in conversations. We want to help people understand the truth of God's Word, that it's for our good. It's not because we're bigots and we're drawing a line in the sand, but it's because God has a design. And in that design, we find our human flourishing. But not only that, but He actually genuinely cares for every single individual and loves each and every one of them. And so I hope that that would be our posture when we are engaging in these conversations with people who have questions, that we're not trying to win an argument, but we're trying to engage the world, trying to get them to think on God just a little bit more deeply. And so that's our second point tonight, is that we are sent to respond to people's questions. And the third R that I have for you tonight, the third and final one, is that we are sent to reintroduce people to Jesus. Now, the reason I chose the word reintroduce rather than introduce was I think it's safe to say that most people in Australia have some idea about who Jesus is. Whether it's, you know, they went to a private Christian school and they were introduced to Jesus there, or, you know, they grew up in a, in a Buddhist home or an Islamic home and they were just taught that Jesus is a good prophet. Uh, or maybe they had religious or conservative parents. They were taught that, you know, Jesus is the one who's going to, at the end of the day, be the judge. And so most people who I've encountered have some idea about who Christ is. And so we are sent into the world as ambassadors, I truly believe this new life, to introduce them or rather reintroduce them to the real Christ, the one who has saved us and redeemed us and loved us and forgiven us. Because can I be honest, I don't think that is their experience of Jesus. And so when we find ourselves in these workplaces, 9 to 5 or 24-7, our opportunity and our invitation is that we would get to reintroduce these people to who Christ is. Uh, again, the McCrindle um, report says that more than half of Australians, so 52%, are open to some extent to changing their religious views given the right circumstances and evidence. How wild is that? That more than half of the population are open to changing their religious views, given the right circumstances and evidence. So about six months ago in the climbing gym, um, I was meeting all these different types of people and hanging out with lots of people, but these two people in particular, um, I was drawn to. They, they were two young girls, you know, 25, in a homosexual relationship, and we just really hit it off. We had so much fun climbing together, and so I said to them one day, hey, let's go get burgers, let's hang out for dinner. And so we went down to Miami, and we got some burgers, and we're sitting there, and I just invited them, hey, share your story. Tell me about your lives. Tell me about you figuring out that you were gay. How did you guys meet? And they were like, what? Like, knowing I'm a Christian, they were like, you want to hear about that? I was like, yeah, tell me everything. So for an hour, they just, like, divulged everything about their lives and who they were and what their relationship was. And then they said to me, you know, we've shared about ourselves, but we would love to know, you as a Christian, what's, what's this like for you? 
And so for the next two hours, I got to unpack for them just the heart of Jesus towards them. And I got to share with them that God loves them. That yes, God has a design and none of us in our hearts completely 100% align with God's perfect will all the time. But I shared with them that Jesus desperately loves you. One of the girls is a 25-year-old. She was raised in quite a conservative Christian home in the South, in the States. And uh, her mom had said some very harsh things to her when she told her mom that she was a homosexual. So this girl, two hours later, we're getting kicked out of the restaurant because we've been there too long. This girl with tears in her eyes looks at me dead in the face and says, Stacy, I have never heard about this Jesus before. She's never heard about this Jesus who I've fallen in love with, who's given me meaning and purpose in my life. She's never heard about him, raised in a Christian home. My friends, we have such an opportunity to introduce to people who bring all their random thoughts about who God is, we get to introduce them to the one who is extending his hand and just saying, hey, come. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to change anything. I just want to be with you. I gave my life so that you could be reconciled to God. Come, follow me. They told me later that they got in their car to drive home that night and they both just wept on the way home. Meanwhile, I was sitting in the car like, Holy Spirit, what just happened? Like, that was wild. And what an opportunity we have in our break rooms, in our back rooms, in our offices, in our classrooms to be that for people. To be like, hey, I don't know what you've heard about Jesus, but my Jesus loves you. My Jesus is extending the hand of fellowship to you. My God isn't holding your wrongs against you. He wants to love you. Come to Him. And in doing so, find your deepest longing satisfied. That's what I ended the conversation with. I said, and again, this could be controversial, so please send all emails to Pastor Alex. But what I said to them was, hey girls, I love you so much. I don't actually want you to not be gay. I don't actually want you to break up. What I do desperately want for you is that you would just discover the greatest relationship that is being offered to you. And that's with Jesus. I said, so forget about all this that you're worried about. That is on offer and that's what's at stake. Come and find in Him your all in all. So I encourage us, we are sent to have these conversations. We are sent to represent Christ, to to respond to their questions, their deepest questions. And then we're, we're sent to just reintroduce them to Christ and say, this is who He is. This is really who He is. He loves you. He longs to be in relationship with you. Can you imagine if that were people's perceptions of who Christians were? Willing to engage in honest conversations, not bigoted ones, not arrogant ones, just honest, robust conversations together. And that's who we are, New Life. We are a missional people. We are a sent people. Uh, Author Ross Hastings says this in his book, Missional God. He says, yes, we are called to be a missional community of sent ones. But this is because that is what we are. This commission is more an is than an ought. The ought is derived from the is. The church is missional. Christians are missional because they are conjoined to the missional God and therefore enabled by Him, the sending triune God. Man, imagine our workplaces filled with good conversations about God. 
Imagine our workplaces flooded with the presence of God as we recognize we are carriers of that presence everywhere we go. And let me just preface it by saying this, we are not going to get it right all the time. Some conversations we're gonna be like, why did I listen to that chick that night at New Life? That was terrible. And that's okay. We are stumbling forward, church, and that is still progress for us. We are moving forward and we're not gonna get it right. We are gonna make mistakes, but I would rather be the person who's actually moving, making mistakes and not moving at all. I'd rather be the person who's failing, talking about Jesus and not talking about Him at all because of the one person who might find faith through me representing Christ. So I wanna bless you tonight with a, a prayer that Jesus prayed out of John chapter 20. Um, And in order to do this, I would just love to invite you to stand with me um, and just posture yourself in a way of receiving, whether that's your hands out, your eyes closed, whatever you wanna do, but posture yourself in a way of receiving tonight a blessing from, from Christ who said this in John 20 verse 21. He says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. New life, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the One who equips and enables us to live as ambassadors for God. He's not calling us or inviting us into something. He's not going to equip us with what we need to do. He gives us His Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray a blessing over this people in front of me, a new infilling of Your Holy Spirit. Would You come and fall afresh upon their hearts, upon their minds? Would You inflame their hearts with a passion to preach Christ and His Gospel? Lord, would You inflame our hearts and break our hearts in the way that Yours are broken for your lost children who do not know you. God, forgive us when we have gone about our own lives completely separate from the mission of God. Would we engage again with your mission? Would we be reminded of people all around us who need to see Christ in us? And would you fill us afresh with the power of your Holy Spirit from on high as we do this mission with you, as we become a missional people? You know, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just felt um, today that there were people who were listening to this message today who have been praying for people for 10 or 20 or 30 years, and you are weary of the asking. You are weary of witnessing. You are weary of engaging in these conversations because you don't see any fruit. You don't see any movement. You don't see any softened heart or softened lives. And so for me, my story is I've been praying for my parents since I was 14. I'm now 31, can't do the maths, but that's a lot of years to be praying for my parents. So what I wanna do is I would love to pray over myself and over you if you've gotten weary of asking for the salvation of people that you love around you. So if that's you, I just want you to put your hand up and I'm just gonna pray with us and for us before we finish the service today. Awesome, Father, I pray over these people with their hands raised saying, yeah, I'm weary. I've stopped asking. I've even become disgruntled at you, God. Why would I keep asking if you don't do anything? And so, Father, I pray for our own hearts. Lord, we believe, but would you help our unbelief? 
God, inspire new levels of faith inside of us to believe again and again and again and over and over and over for the salvation of those who we love, knowing that you love them far more than we ever could. And so we pray for these people uh, who have just acknowledged by raising our hands. We pray that the walls around their hearts would come down by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that the scales would fall from their eyes just as they fell from Saul's eyes. God, we pray that the veil would be lifted over their hearts. They would uh, experience and receive the love of Christ. So we declare salvation into the souls we have lost hope for. We inspire ourselves again and we speak to ourselves and we say, let hope rise and let victory come in the hearts and the lives of our loved ones. So may there be a testimony to share at the end of next week about one of these loved ones who is curious about Christ. Lord, give us boldness. We so need the infilling of your Holy Spirit. We love you. We thank you that you have invited us into your mission to redeem, renew, and restore the whole world. What a privilege and an honor that is. We thank you for your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna respond in worship, so I encourage you, sing along with the band. Thanks, guys.